I spoke to a friend of mine after Wales qualified for their first World Cup since 1958 and he admitted that he had simply burst into tears on the final whistle. Such was the joy and disbelief that for the first time in his lifetime, his nation will be represented at football's most glittering and storied tournament. Such is the power of sport and after all. It's hoping for moments like that that got us all involved in the first place. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Betting expert and regular vice-captain Mark O'Hare is with us once again. Mark, Wales had to cling on at times against Ukraine in that playoff final and that same friend admitted he was curled up in a ball for much of the last 10 minutes of that game. But Wales snuck a 1-0 win and they can go into Wednesday's game against the Netherlands on a high. Yeah, uh, hi, and very much hungover, I imagine, as well. Uh, if I've seen some of the, the players enjoying themselves after the game, as they rightly should be and expected to be. Um, yeah, uh, they did what was required and they've got the result, and that's the beauty of football. It doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you can get the result and get over the line. Um, business was was done and sorted, really. And, you know, I've never been Wayne Hennessy's biggest fan, but he wrote himself into uh, Welsh history and, and folklore, really, of his performance against Ukraine. Uh, Gareth Bale may have scored the, the deflected goal, but Hennessy, nine saves. Ukraine had nine shots on target, the most by any team without scoring during the, the whole of the European World Cup qualifiers this, this time around. And uh, Wow, what a stat either. that is. What a stat yeah. that is. So that's the most a team has, has suffered, has had against them without conceding a single goal. Yeah, in, in just in the in the latest World Cup qualifiers in Europe, yeah. But um, yeah, considering he's not played a club game since January and he was behind Danny Ward in terms of the the pecking order, it was a a brave call for Rob Page to bring him back in. But uh, you know, he's he said himself, didn't he, after the game, it was his best game for in a Wales jersey ever, really, and he was beside himself. And it wasn't just him, you know. You've got to mention Ben Davis as well, absolutely exceptional. Nico Williams yeah. too. Um, but I do think we talked about it before the game. Wales have had a a strong defensive system in place for quite some time, and it does allow the the, the more um, sort of I don't want to say world class, but the more match winning players of individual quality in forward areas to do their business. And they really needed to rely on that defensive fortitude against Ukraine. I know Wales had their opportunities as well. Brennan Johnson hit the post, and, and Bale was denied as well when he had an opportunity. But it was that fortitude and defence which pulled them through. And in terms of Wednesday, it's it's def- definitely difficult to to not sort of presume that Sunday night's qualifier will have a, made, played a major part. I know we talked about the game against Poland in the Nations League when it wasn't a priority. Wales are putting all their eggs in the, in the Ukraine basket. And um, I think it's going to be a similar case here. And I, I know the, the sort of um, the squad players came in and did a really good job against Poland despite the result. Um, they're going to be asked to, to call upon here. I, I'd be very surprised if Paige went with a first 11 um, after what happened against Ukraine, just the celebrations, the ecstasy. Um just going to eat into recovery and preparation time really as well. And that's understandable. So, um, so yeah, I mean, is this match top of their agenda right now? I'm guessing it's probably not. So, um, yeah, I think they're playing a Dutch team as well who are starting to find their range under Louis van Gaal. Um, that win against Belgium in Brussels was really impressive. Belgium's first time defeat in six years. I think it was Holland's first win uh, against Belgium um, for quite some time as well. So, you know, you go back previously, they held Germany in a friendly as well. Unbeaten in 10 now under Van Hal, and they've also been you know, playing some good football. We talk about Hansi Flick and what the job he's done with Germany, but 
Van Hal's kind of implemented a, a fast-paced, skillful, attractive style, pressing from the front also. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can absolutely see why the market has already swung quite significantly towards the Dutch in this match, just because of the, the likelihood that Wales have to rest and rotate um, coming into this match too. But I actually thought the leap from around 1.66 on the Dutch to win the game to 2.1 on the Netherlands to win and over one and a half goals looked, looked quite fair enough, actually. I thought that was a quite quite a nice leap, really, just just to rule out a 1-0 away win. Uh, any other scoreline for the Dutch to win the match gets us paid. In nine of their 10 games under Van Gaal, they featured at least two goals. They scored twice or more in seven of 10. And they looked really hot against Belgium too. So obviously you've got to bear in mind that they might you know, rest a few, but they've got five or six days rest coming into this, whereas Wales played Sunday and clearly will probably be a little bit hungover coming into this too. Trader and tipster extraordinaire. Emmett O'Keefe is in the starting side once again. Emmett, as Mark says, the Netherlands looked excellent against Belgium last time out. And it struck me that their squad is so strong that Genie Wijnaldum isn't even in it. Uh, and obviously, there are reasons for that. He's barely played for Paris, and it shows that maybe a move to Paris is not always the wisest move. Um, but it just shows where they're at right now. They seem to have options in most areas. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was very telling that even like Matthijs de Ligt didn't, didn't start it. The other night as well, and I kind of um, I, I'm just wondering, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see in time, but like maybe maybe that Louis Van Hal is just far more suited to international management than club management. Like he did, he did a really brilliant job at a very very limited group of um of Dutch players when he when he, when he was last in charge when, when, when uh, getting a deep a deep run in the World Cup, which ended up um with him going to Man United with kind of less successful results. But I, I was, yeah, I think they've they've a really good system of play. They're, they're clearly benefiting from a kind of IX team on the rise. We saw Timber play very well the, 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 the other night. I think he's, he's an extre- extremely promising player. And like, as even though this is a kind of a deeper Welsh squad than we kind of, that we have seen in years past, I, yeah, like given the celebrations, I, I can see this being a very, a very, a very comfortable, comfortable Holland win. I think there's kind of, there's a huge gap in class between the sides. And as, as, as Mark mentioned, I think Holland would be fully prepared and, and, and they've, they've really scored heavily under Van Hal throughout the qualifying campaign. So I'd, I'd look to get with Holland with the bet that Mark suggested, or maybe even minus one on the Asian handicap. So if, um, if Holland only win by goal, you get your money back. Um, the, the only the, the player to watch for Wales probably I'd say would be, would be Brennan Johnson, Nottingham Forest. He's probably the championship's best player last season. His, his score and assist numbers in the second half of the season were outstanding. And even when he came on in the in the last twenty minutes, he could you could just see he is that kind of natural natural skill and class that probably Wales were kind of missing missing before then. So he'd be the kind of he'd be the player to watch for watch for in a kind of a, in a likely much changed Wales team. Dated on, Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal is back with us. Jake, as you know, after your recent stag do, it can be rather draining celebrating things. So I imagine Wales might be in second gear, as the guys have suggested. Well, if for anything like me on my stag do, they'll be in third or uh, in first gear, not even second. <laughs> I mean, yeah, everything the lads have said, I just echo because, you know, they're coming off such a big high, our Wales. They're going to be massive changes. Um, this game is of far less importance to the one that, that, that took place on Sunday. Uh, whereas it's the opposite for the Netherlands. They're in a the groove. They're, they're finding their rhythm. Um, they're looking like 
um, they could potentially be a real threat at the World Cup. And, um, you know, the, the way in which they just sort of dismantled Belgium, you know, the scoreline was impressive enough, but the fact that they won the XG battle extremely convincingly means it wasn't a fluke either. I think it was around 2.5 to 1.2 in Belgium's backyard. So, you know, it was a fully deserved win um, in which they created the better of the chances against, you know, one, a team that's been ranked as the as the number one in the world for for quite some time. I'm not sure if they are now, but um, you know it, it, that's a massive massive statement of intent from from the Netherlands, and, and they'll be looking to follow that up uh, here because you know Wales have been you know when they play their full strength team, when they are at it, when they are playing for something, they're a very difficult team to beat um, uh, in Wales. And and you know I think if Netherlands go to Wales, even if Wales do put out a second string team, win this game very comfortably, then again it's another real statement of intent and. The way in which they've been attacking um, under Van Gaal, I, I think that they'll be able to create plenty of chances whether they were playing Wales A or Wales B, to be honest. And, you know, both bets that have been put up so far, Netherlands to win in over one and a half and, and Netherlands minus one, the Asian handicap. I'm fully on board with the pair of them. And, and it's just take your pick, really, as to which one you'd like to get on side. Um, maybe even both, um, given the fact that the, the minus one doesn't cover you if, if it's just a 1-0 win. Whereas if Netherlands do win in over one and a half goals, you do get, obviously... Uh, a 2-1 win uh, in there as well. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with everything the guys have said and, and all, all all aboard the uh, Louis van Gaal train. Now, we know how frustrating it is when you get frozen out of a bet. So, Betfair's now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds over under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. The Republic of Ireland made a desperately disappointing start to their Nations League campaign as they lost 1-0 in Armenia. Jake, I'll start with you on this one. I'll just allow Emmett a moment of reflection before we come to him. Uh, the Republic did make chances, in fairness, but they failed to take them. They did, yeah. Um, you know, they, they've, they've been... It's, this isn't the same Republic of Ireland team that we saw or that we would be, become used to really over the last 10 years. Uh, the ones that sort of managed to make it to major tournaments and were a real threat against the better teams. And yeah, it was a, it was a poor performance in total. Um, you know, the XG was, yeah, they, they didn't breach one when it came to the expected goals total. At 0.9 they managed in Armenia, which is, you know, it's a poor total. And, and I think it speaks for where they are at the moment, Republic of Ireland, in the sense that they haven't got you know, too many quality attacking outlets. They, they've really struggled to create chances, and, and that's kind of shown in the fact that the um, you know six of the last seven games have seen both teams to score. I know, and Republic of Ireland have actually failed to score in quite a few of those as well. So um, that's the that's the line for me. Um, Ukraine. We spoke about Wales and their potential hangover. Uh, I do think that you, the the Ukraine, given that everything that they put into those two matches uh, against Scotland and Wales. I do think that we will we will get a second sort of a, a we'll see a drop off in terms of uh, performance levels from them. Um, this is far less important to them um, than it than the World Cup qualifying was. Um, and you know, I, I, if 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 we could trust Ukraine to play uh, a full strength team and a you know an almost playing to win this game quite you know as as normal, then I would be looking at Ukraine to win because I do think there is a golfing class between uh, the Republic of Ireland and Ukraine. And I was slightly surprised to see. Uh, Ireland favourites to win this game, but I do think it's because of that factor of Ukraine being so involved in such a uh, an energy sapping game on on the Sunday. And you know, if, if if you did, if you do feel as though Ukraine will will you know go for this game and try and win this match, um, I, that that price of Ukraine win at three point four does appeal. Um, but for me, I, I was just happy to go with the trends really and, and back against goals. The unders is a little bit short. 
So both teams to score no, uh, which is around 1.92, look the way into me. And, and it's not a surprise, really, given that the, the attacking struggles of the Irish and the fact that, you know, ultimately their best chance of getting results comes from defensive solidity and, and breaking the, on the counter-attack and trying to score one goal and win games 1-0. So um, both teams to score no was the main bet for this. But if you, if you do think that Ukraine will continue to play in the same manner that they did against Scotland and Wales, which were, they were brilliant in both games, in my opinion. They, you know, they were a, a, a really dodgy VAR penalty call away from a, um, a potential extra time. And obviously, Wayne Hennessy, as, as we said already, was just, he, he looked like he could play for another 180 minutes and nothing would go past him. He looked like he got about seven arms. So, yeah, um, I, I think if, if you fancy Ukraine to carry on in that manner, then I would definitely be recommending backing them to win uh, at 3.4. But I'm taking the, the safe approach of, of both teams to score now. I mean, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because as we said before the Armenia game, and, and you put this across you know, very eloquently, that Stephen Kenny is trying to progress the team. He's trying to consign all of those sometimes successful teams that played a very direct style he's trying to say well, we don't want to do that anymore we want to play a modern style but with the quality of player he has at his disposal there are going to be bumps in the road aren't there absolutely like i think the as i think it's, it's blatantly obvious that i think comparing ireland ireland with england is futile but i think a reasonable comparison with ireland is always i think wales and scotland and wales and scotland are far le- far better level of player than we do like if you just even look at looking at scotland like you've kind of scott mctominay kieran tierney andy robertson type of players i think we don't really have any any player any player on that on that level and so I think that even even while I, I kind of do approve the style of play, the reality is the talent level we have is just you know, no matter how well we play, we're, 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 it's the, the talent level isn't that high. So you're always going to be vulnerable to these kind of shock results at the weekend. But I, despite despite that, I, I, I thought we'd as as I, as I stated on the podcast, I really thought we'd have have enough to beat beat Armenia. Not the first time the kind of the tipping the team that I support has made me look extremely foolish. But <laughs> I'll, I'll, so um, just in terms of the kind of prices for this game, as as Jake mentioned, the three point four is it's 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 priced in basically at the moment that Ukraine Ukraine are going to play a second team because if Ukraine play anything close to a first choice team, they can't be. 3.4 against Ireland. If they played the team they played against the weekend against us, I think they'd probably they'd nearly go off favourites. And so I kind of I couldn't I couldn't recommend Ireland in the match markets. The only thing, yeah, I'm 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 uh, I am going to the game at the weekend a good game during the weekend. But the only Ireland kind of centric bet I'd be looking at maybe the set the set piece markets because we've seen Ukraine had kind of huge huge issues. Um, in the kind of goalkeeping position, I, I, I still I think they they are they are quite flaky defensively, and especially if they play a second choice defence. Yeah, I think that's that's where Ireland's pretty best chance is going to come. So maybe Nathan Nathan Collins and, and Shane Duffy in the goal score markets, um, and hopefully hopefully an imp- somewhat improved Ireland performance. So look out for Emmett holding up a banner saying "You made me look silly" on a podcast, uh, Mark. The Ukraine thing I find really intriguing because I completely accept what the guys have said. I think there'll be some rotation. Obviously, it's not as important as the World Cup game. I mean, there's no comparison. However, I do wonder whether, given the situation, the horrific situation in Ukraine, every game is an opportunity, isn't it? And I just think that that pride that they've shown in recent games, even though they're going to be tired, even though they're going to be drained, I can't see them just kind of 
tiptoeing through this in second gear. I just don't think psychologically that's where they're at at the moment. And when you've got guys like Mudrik, who I think is a very good player, uh, Shaparenko, I guess, might start. Dovbeek has looked a handful when he's come on as a sub. Even if it's a much-changed Ukraine team, there's still a handful. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, clearly, they're going to be licking their wounds after what happened against Wales, but they've just dominated both Scotland and Wales. I know there's been, we will expect to be a different team here, but um, as you say, considering psychologically where this team and squad are at, not just in sporting terms, but in, in terms of the, the wider political situation, which is happening back home, uh, before they came into camp, they've been training in, in Slovenia for quite some time because they weren't able to play domestic matches. Their focus has been on this summer and preparing and and trying to do their country proud. And, you know, these players and coaches were offered the opportunity to to fight on the front line for their country, um, but basically were, were told by the wider sporting community and the wider population, no, we actually want you to go and represent us in, in football and try and do us proud on, on the field. So that's going to be a hell of a weight, but also I think it can act as a, a positive too. And I hate to use the word momentum, but considering how they played in those last two games, they won't want to just kind of down tools now just because... Things are gone, so it's incredibly difficult to try and sort of feed that into a price. And and it's right, this is being priced up. And considering Ukraine might play a second team, but even still, um, the guys have already covered it. You know, I, I'm normally quite an optimist, really, particularly with Ireland, and I like the direction that Stephen Kenny is is taking. But unfortunately, the playing pool is is incredibly slim right now, and I don't think the the best eleven that Ireland could offer would finish in the top six in the championship, which is kind of a barometer of where they're at compared to. Ukrainians who depth-wise have got much more to offer really so Ireland have got a dreadful Nations League record um, I don't think that's the biggest uh, sort of negative in the world obviously but uh, to see them around a 2.4 mark was was quite something really I and mean, even if you wanted the draw on side you're only getting around 1.7 on the plus zero Asian handicap the draw no bet really which is really quite unappealing whereas if you flip flop it you can get 1.91 on Ukraine plus a quarter so you're effectively making a half stakes winner if if the game ends all square which uh, regardless of changes, I still think is quite appealing. So I went back to 2016. Ireland's only competitive wins since 2016 against sides outside of the, the bottom tier or the bottom couple of tiers, let's call them the minnows if you like, have come against Italy at Euro 2016 when Italy made changes in that final group game, Austria and Wales, and the last one of which was 2017. So as much as there has been progress made in terms of stylistically what, what Kenny's trying to do, we started to get results. We started to look a little bit better, much more pleasing on the eye, at least. Um, unfortunately, the end game of getting actual results has been pretty difficult, really. So um, I don't want to read too much into the Armenia game. It was very hot and humid. We talked about conditions, and that's not really benefited. Ireland did have the lion's share of the, the chances rather than the real sort of goal-scoring opportunities. Didn't really deserve to lose that game. But Kinney said himself the performance wasn't quite what they expected or where they had been in, in previous months. So... I do expect a slight improvement from Ireland, particularly in Dublin, considering the conditions as well. But as you say, Ukraine is such a difficult animal to try and second guess right now to know where they're really at. And I, I try to sort of sort of veer towards the more positive side that this squad is still out to try and impress. It's worth checking out the Betfair boost, by the way. Betfair's already enhanced prices on Akers, where you can increase the price even further with the token in your bet slip. T's and C's are in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. So mighty Armenia now go to Scotland, a team that are trying to pick themselves up after they crashed out of the World Cup playoffs against Ukraine. Jake, Steve Clark's had a fair bit of criticism for the way Scotland played. And you look at it tactically, 
does look as though he got it wrong playing two strikers. They were swamped in midfield and it's far too easy for Ukraine to play their way through Scotland and their press negated the likes of Callum McGregor and Billy Gilmore. Has it been a bit harsh, the criticism, Jake, do you think, or is it spot on? Uh, I think a little bit harsh, yeah, because in, in my opinion, if you look at the two teams in a vacuum, the Scotland and Ukraine sides, I think the Ukraine have got more quality in their team than Scotland. Um, they've got more match winners. Um, and I, I think they've got better players, um, from one, uh, maybe not from 1 to 11, but the majority of their 11, I would say, is better. Um, so, you know, the, the only thing that the Scotland had on their side or the main thing was the home advantage, which obviously uh, they couldn't press home. But but yeah, I, I don't think that, you know, I think the job that Steve Clark's done over the sort of period of time he's been in charge has been very good. He's, he's similar to what we talked about with Ireland in terms of trying to um, reinvent Scotland as a team and, and the style and the way in which they play. Um, they've got slightly more quality than the Irish in terms of uh, individuals to work with. Um, but you know you can see the progress that's been been made, um, and they are becoming a much more difficult team to play against, difficult team to beat. They're taking some scalps of some big European nations. It wasn't so long ago that they beat Denmark two 0 at home um, uh, in qualifying. So you know they, they 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 are capable of those kind of performances, and and I do think that they are on the right tracks. Um, but you know ultimately, when it comes to World Cups, I think there's only thirteen European teams make it, and you know. Usually, you know, you can write eight or nine of those teams on a piece of paper before the, the qualifying even starts. Uh, and then it's a raffle between the rest of the, you know, the other 60, 70 teams to, for three or four places. So, you know, you are fighting an uphill battle when you are a, a lesser nation, um, a lesser footballing nation even, when it comes to qualifying for the World Cup. Um, and, you know, getting to that stage, the, you know, the playoff round should be seen as a success, I think, for Scotland because they, they, were, they weren't in the easiest of groups. And they managed to get that far and, and to within a couple of games of actually making it to to the World Cup. Um, now, they're taking on, you know, the, as you said, the mighty Armenia, who are looking for a, a second successive scalp. Um, I don't think they'll get it, because as, as I've said, I, I think Scotland have more quality, particularly in forward areas than Ireland. Um, but I don't think that they'll roll over and lose this game, you know, quite heavily. We've seen them do so in recent weeks, uh, in recent times even. Norway, I think, put nine past them uh, in the last away match. But Scotland don't have anywhere near the attacking clinicality, in my opinion, uh, as to what Norway do. Um, and, you know, so that, that made me think, oh, I'm trying to get Scotland on side. What's the best way to do that? And um, Scotland to win under three and a half goals uh, was around 1.9 on the sports book. And that, that took my fancy straight away. And I, I wouldn't put anyone off looking at Scotland to win under two and a half, taking it a goal, a goal down which is around 2.61. Um, six of Armenia's last 10 away games have gone under two and a half. Scotland, they've won six of the last 10 at home with four of those um, coming on under two and a half goals. So, you know, it's a, it's a common theme that Scotland, you know, win games, um, but don't blow teams away. And, and I, I can see that being similar in this match. MS, is that the way you go for this one, Scotland to win, but not by a huge amount? Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, echo everything Jake said there. I think... I'd, st I'd stand by what I said in terms of Armenia in the last. I think they are. I think Armenia are terrible. But <laughs> I think I think like the a uh, Ireland's kind of misfiring attack, and also again, this sounds like kind of a Jurgen Klopp type of excuse now, but it was quite a bad. Pitch. It was a noticeably bad pitch, I would say, when Ireland played Armenia. They could have there was very little kind of quick pass or anything like that. So I think Armenia benefited from that. But as Jake said, like I don't think. 
I don't think Scotland will really able to expose Armenia. I think the, the in six of Scotland's last seven qualifying games, it, um, it, it, it went under two and a half goals. I expect, yeah, this, this is, I think Armenia, like Armenia against Ireland at times, like when when they kind of, when like their goalkeeper kicked the ball up the pitch, their midfielders weren't even pushing up, they're just sitting back, happy to park the bus. I expect similar here and Scotland struggling to break them down, dominating the game territorially and kind of getting kind of a dour one or two nil win. So yeah, I'd probably, I'd maybe even take, I'd even chance the Scotland is under, and under, two, under two and a half goals at, at around six to four. It's, I think it's yeah, kind of a but, but I would, wouldn't recommend watching the game either. <laughs> well, I don't know why we went down the avenue of Jurgen Klopp slander, but we'll move on uh, very swiftly from that. Uh, Mark, I, I mean, it looks that you'd think Scotland will come out fired up because it was interesting in a lot of the interviews afterwards. They talked about, look, this has been horrible, but we've got to now try and produce in the Nations League, and actually. When I think of teams that have really grasped the opportunities that the Nations League offers up, Scotland's usually the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, definitely. They've had a decent recovery time as well from that dis- disappointment, and it's going to have hurt badly. But this is a an opportunity for them to. They're never going to sort of um, right those wrongs at all because what the prize on offer was so huge. But it will at least kind of just give them opportunity to try and impress again uh, in a home game in a much in a very winnable match too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they'll be able to sort of try and release a bit of that frustration. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say too much more about Scotland because the guys have covered everything I probably would have said too. But um, I think Emmett is right to a, a degree about Armenia too. They're a team that have uh, fallen on hard times in recent years, despite that Irish result. Mkhitaryan's retired from the international circuit and the squad is desperately lacking kind of star class. If you look at the squad, 20 played locally in the, in the Armenian league. Uh, only one features in Europe's top five leagues and... The top international scorers in the squad have eight and four goals. Now, I know they made quite an adventurous appointment with Joaquin Kaparos coming in as head coach, but he was widely criticised before the Irish game and in some sections was being called to to, you know, to step down and, and to be sacked, really. So, yeah, Scotland don't tend to put the minnows to the sword comfortably. They tend to make it hard work of it. And I think that's down to the fact that they don't have too many standout options in the final third to, to really sort of be quite clinical. So only three wins by three goals or more over the last five years. Uh, and as we talked about before the Ukraine game, I think that is a, an area of weakness in their squad. So I think Steve Clark has, has pushed Scotland forward in, in the right direction. And they're certainly a lot a lot further down the line than Ireland are under Stephen Kenny too. So I do expect them to get the job done. Uh, and handily enough, I've got the same bet as uh, both guys have already mentioned, really. Scotland to win in under two and a half goals. I had it down as nine to five, which I think is a terrific price. You're effectively backing the one nil and two nil home wins. Considering the win to nil is five to six, and the Asian handicap line has been set at one and one and a quarter. It does feel like a big value price there in backing the, the sort of one one nil and two nil home wins. Uh, four of the last six home wins have arrived by either of those two score lines too. So um yeah, a, a much more appealing price and, and play than backing Scotland to win to nil at odds on, I think at least. Always good when the committee agrees on a bet. Uh, finally, Belgium up against Poland. Poland won their first game against a much-changed Welsh side. As for Belgium, they were stuffed at home by their Benelux rivals, the Netherlands. Emmett, Belgium were trash uh, against the Dutch. There's, there's no way around that. And we've talked a lot about their golden generation. They've had some good tournament performances, but they've won nothing in the Nations League They've been nearly there, but not quite. They were 2-0 up against France, weren't they, in that semi-final and ended up losing 3-2. So where are they at right now? 
I think they're potentially in bad in a, in a bad place. I I've been looking at their kind of World Cup group and thinking could try to take them on to take them on. I think they have all the signs of a team coming to the end the end of its cycle under Roberto Martinez. Like if you look at the back three that started against um against start against against Holland, it's Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld who both passed it, and Dedrick Boyata who's like a a decent but no Average. more defender exactly that's so that like you've three and then like and then court courtois um has pulled out of the squad for obvious reasons and so you've minile and goal like so isn't like that back three and minile like are you gonna really okay that's that's a back three it's very hard to have any any confidence i would say and then, like, just in terms of the kind of top end, we talk, we've heard Kevin De Bruyne talked about how little interest he has in, in these Nations League games. Eden Hazard is, like, the... I think his... He, he's well past his peak. And I think they, they used to be the kind of... You, the, the three kings attack with Hazard, Lukaku, and De Bruyne. I think you can't rely on Hazard anymore. Lukaku's probably in the worst place he's been in his career uh, in, in kind of a Belgian jersey in, in, in a long time as well. So I think there's there's a lot of negatives surrounding Belgium. And Martinez has been there a long time. And I think there were signs in in the kind of last qualifying campaign. And even when they played a second string against Ireland, were quite poor in a two-all draw. Just from listening to the the part of the Belgian media, were, were quite critical of Martinez. There, there is an area, an air of negativity around the team, and I think they're they're unbackable at their current price of rent. They're in one or close to around one point seven. The exchange. I'm looking. I'm looking to take them on with with uh, Poland winner draw double chance at over even money. Since Paulo Souza left, Poland have been decent. Like I think that was. That was a very good win to kind of beat uh, beat that Sweden team comfortably in the playoff with, with uh, Sweden possessing with Sweden having Isaac Kulusevski. It was a quite a good Sweden team that they beat. Uh, had a decent win against second string Wales. But I think Poland are just a Poland are a pretty solid team, and I think they're they're more than enough to be to be competitive against kind of a very vulnerable Belgium team. Who was kind of I think who we can't rely on to be the kind of the force they have been in previous years. Yeah, interesting to see what happens with Belgium between now and the World Cup. But I agree with Emma, it does not look good right now. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of Nations League coverage on our website, betting.betfair.com. From Mark, from Emmett, from Jake and from me, it's goodbye for now. <laughs> 